Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today. Welcome to another edition of Hungry for More. I'm your host, Al Smith, the Pipe Padre. And uh, today we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare. I'm going to have a good friend come and visit with us and talk about uh, spiritual warfare, especially pertaining to the family. And our good host uh, and friend, Kathleen Beckman, will uh, be joining us. And uh, we had Kathleen uh, back on our show back in 2014, so uh, we consider her family. So we're looking forward to our conversation as we unpackage her newest book together uh, for the next 45 minutes or so. And so we're going to begin with prayer, as we always do, and we're going to call upon the wisdom of St. Teresa of Avila, and I'll have my producer, Kent Kowalski, bring this beautiful prayer up on the screen. So please join me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things are passing. God never changes. Patience obtains all things. Nothing is wanting to him who possesses God. God alone suffices. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I just finished this uh, beautiful book, uh, simply entitled A Family Guide to Spiritual Warfare by Kathleen Beckman. And uh, I tell you, I want the whole world to know what's in this book. And so I want to bring on to the uh, set uh, our good friend, Kathleen Beckman, all the way from Orange, California. Kathleen, welcome back to Hungry for More. Thank you so much, Al. I, I am so honored to be with you. I'm delighted for this opportunity to visit with you and talk about the good fight. Yes, and uh, again, it is a good fight, and it's a fight that takes place in our families, and uh, we all come up through the family, and so uh, what's nice is that we get to share stories, and I know you have many stories to share about uh, your own personal spiritual journey, uh, but also the work that you've been involved with uh, in your own diocese, and uh, of course, your writing and your speaking, and so uh, we want to tap into your wisdom today uh, as we discuss, um, again, the family and the spiritual fight uh, going on in families today. So uh, maybe you could just take a moment to uh, introduce yourself to our audience. I know I love to read uh, people's bios, but it's better to come from uh, the guests themselves. And so uh, please just spend a few moments uh, for uh, our audience to tell us, uh, again, how God is blessing you in so many ways. Oh, it's a real joy to, to talk about the Lord that we love and serve. And um, he really captured me, Al, about 30 years ago. I had a very radical conversion from a worldly life to a daily Eucharistic life uh, with adoration and daily mass 30 years ago. And, and it, it was life-changing. And so I began to serve the Lord. It was invitation after invitation came my way to serve in Magnificat, a ministry to Catholic women, to serve in the Pope Leo XIII Institute um, and to serve in my own diocese. So the invitation regarding spiritual warfare and serving at the side of priests um, and serving on the exorcist team and being the administrator for the diocesan ministry of deliverance and healing and exorcism was all an invitation, uh, you know, obviously from the Holy Spirit, but also from clergy. It's not the kind of ministry uh, you and I know 
but our, our listeners should know that it's not the kind of ministry you volunteer for. It's the kind of ministry that is a calling and that calling comes by way of invitation, um, especially for the lay person to be at the side of clergy working in this ministry. So I've been honored to be invited into it and I've prayed and discerned and have been serving for, I wanna say a dozen years in this capacity. Yes, and uh, I know that uh, you've taken uh, many lessons of life and uh, lessons, of course, in your uh, ministry within the diocese. And uh, of course, you've penned this beautiful book, and I will hold it up on the screen so everyone can see it. And um, again, there it is, uh, The Family Guide uh, to Spiritual Warfare. And uh, Kathleen, I've had the uh, blessing to read this book uh, cover to cover, and uh, there is so much in this book. And, um, you know, I come naturally to this position of being married for 35 years and having uh, three adult children, uh, five grandchildren. And I know uh, many of our viewers uh, have journeyed. And um, I think if we could redo it all over again, I think we would uh, pay more attention to uh, the devil and his works because we've seen uh, the devil just uh, wreak havoc in families over the years. And so uh, this book is a really uh, good, I want to call it back to basics book of um, just some um, simple principles to follow. And uh, again, that back to basics message was so important. I think we sometimes forget that. But uh, maybe you could uh, spend a few moments to say, you know, why the book, uh, how it came to being, and uh, of course, the team that is behind this book, because when you read the endorsements and uh, uh, the many uh, passages that you cite throughout the book, uh, you have dozens and dozens of good people behind this project. So uh, give us a little bit of a background uh, into uh, the book coming to uh, fruition. Well, it is the, the fruit of many, many years of service, uh, experience, uh, travel to 13 different nations, listening, praying with people um, in 13 different nations, to hear what's on their heart. The first intention of their, that they would share with me in prayer would often be an intention for a loved one that they felt was really struggling or what was going on in the family, a spouse, a child. And so then, um, you know, my heart was always turned toward the family. I come from a beautiful Catholic family. And like you said, Al, you know, I'm, I'm a mom, a grandmother now, and, and my children are grown. So we're empty nesters, but, um, if I had this book, if I knew what's in this book when I was just married or engaged even uh, in dating, uh, it would have been very, very helpful because I did not realize early on that we were in a spiritual battle, that there was an enemy, that it wasn't just my husband and I trying to make our family work um, you know, by the grace of God, but we also were fighting an enemy that didn't want us to work and didn't want the family. So I started out the book, I mean, it, it came to be because I just felt like the gift I've been given for years of formation, um, all the way to Rome and taking courses there and serving as a priest facilitator for the Pope Leo XIII Institute for five years, all of that experience, I felt like it was a gift God had given me, Al, and I really felt um, a prompting of the Holy Spirit to give that gift back, that that wasn't meant for me, but the formation that I had experienced and what I have seen, that that was meant for others. And so that's why I sat down and penned the book over several years. And, um, you know, I didn't, like you said, there was a whole team behind it. My uh, collaborators, if you will, my advisors were the priests that I list by name in the beginning of the book. Um, probably a dozen exorcists um, uh, helped me in penning that book, and I would ask their um, their advice. Um, and it, and I'll be honest with you and your listeners. At first, when I submitted the manuscript to the um, to the censor liberium in my diocese, and for listeners, that's the theologian that will go over all of your theology in your manuscript before you can get the church's approval of um, getting the imprimatur in the Nihil Obstat, which of course I wanted to do. Um, when I first submitted it to him, he thought it was a little too frightening. 
and I had been maybe a little too direct about exorcism. And uh, he said, you know, Kathleen, we don't want to frighten the people in the pew that we don't want them to think, oh my, my God, my child's possessed. So we need to dial this back because you're in this ministry, so you see it. But for the average person in the pew, they're not aware. So let's either make this about exorcism or about general spiritual warfare. And you, the book is obviously about general spiritual warfare. So, you know, getting back to knowing when you're, when you're dating and, and, you know, knowing that the enemy is against the family. It's a very direct quote from Pope Francis that begins the book that simply says, the devil does not want the family. And I think all of us can relate to it. What if we are praying, if we see that, you know, we're, it is beyond just our personalities and conflicts that we have, our human conflicts, our own sin nature, but we have a threefold enemy. We have the, the flesh, concupiscence, we have the world, the spirit of the world, which is anti-Christ, anti-gospel, and then we have the, the evil spirits, the fallen angels, the one-third that fell from heaven and who are on earth to really come against the children of God. And so we, because we read about Jesus Christ in 1 John 3, 8, we know that the reason that the Lord Jesus Christ appeared on earth was to undo the works of the devil. But we, by being his disciples, are also called to undo those works and to push back. So families especially are called to push back that tidal wave of evil and can do so beautifully. Yes. And I think this is what... Um so many families miss the mark is that they don't realize they're in a battle. They right. think somehow, oh, if we just wake up every day and if I send my children to uh, some of the Sunday school classes and, um, you know, if we get to mass, uh, you know, a couple times a year, um, life's going to be good. You know, uh, we're going to sail through this thing and uh, we're not going to have any speed bumps at all. And uh, we realize very quickly as especially when our children are teenagers, that uh, we regret that we didn't put enough time in teaching the children spiritual battle, uh, putting on the armor of God, uh, this whole sense that we have an enemy and it is Satan and of course the demons. And so, uh, you know, of course, many movies make um, light of, you know, the exorcist. And um, sometimes we think, oh, is that fictitious? But I think people would agree if you did a poll that they do believe in the devil and they do believe in demons and um, they have wreaked havoc in families and society. But uh, one thing that's very good in your book is that you give us a lot of practical uh, guides. You give a whole section of prayers uh, that families can use. But uh, again, you really talk a lot about that armor and you give a beautiful story of how one day you were on a plane and how um, a number of military people came onto the plane and uh, sat around you. And you had that very comforting feeling to say, I'm protected here, the military's here. And uh, you were taken by their uniforms and uh, you just applied it so beautifully to the armor of God saying, are we putting on our military uniform each day? And uh, of course, dressing, putting the armor of, God, uh, armor of God on. And are we teaching our children how to put the armor of God on? So uh, let's talk a little bit about the armor of God and some uh, techniques that you've found that have worked. And uh, of course, make some beautiful suggestions to our listeners at home. Well, thank you for bringing up that story. I still remember it very vividly. You know, it dawned on me that the people that were in that uniform, you know, our military, United States Armed Forces, they were in one uniform, but their skin color was completely different. I thought they came from all corners of uh, the US and here they are dressed in this one uniform. And I wondered, does God look upon his children dressed in this armor? You know, God provides the armor but we have to put it on. He doesn't force dress us in that armor. He invites us to put on that helmet of salvation, that breastplate of righteousness, that belt of truth. And you know, the, all of that is an invitation to us to dress in God's armor because to be effective in the spiritual battle, we can never be on our own. We must be 
um, under the protection, uh, in the armor of God, under the protection of his grace, under the mantle of Mary, who is, you know, there's a whole chapter, as you know, uh, the 10th chapter in the book is with Mary in battle, who is very, very fierce. Some e extraordinary, um, you know, stories in there about Mary being fierce in, in the ministry of exorcism, but also in the ministry of healing families. And um, so this armor is an invitation for God, look, I want to supply you with the grace that you need, but we have to put on that helmet of salvation. We have to conform our minds to the gospel, to the way that the Lord is looking at it. And, you know, there's so many scriptures, and I give many in the book, that um, show us that the Lord is a warrior. He defends us. So, you know, it's not a matter of coming from perfect families. Nobody does. It's not a matter of trying to be the perfect family because nobody is. It's a matter of working with the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing him, loving him, serving him, communing with him, getting your orders with him through prayer, through the liturgy of the mass, living a liturgical, um, you know, uh, spiritual life. In the book, I have a chapter on building a Eucharistic home and a Eucharistic heart. And so all of these, you know, we have so much, an arsenal of protection and grace that's inside the Catholic Church. But what happens, Al, and you, you read the stories in the book, is that by the time people come and they want to ask for the church's help, they've looked outside the church. They've gone to the local witch. They've gone to the local healing shop with crystals and new age items. They've gone to the local hypnotist, the local fortune teller. They've had their tarot cards, you know, the, all of these things done. And then they, all of these things that are outside the church. And that's why when you mentioned earlier in the program that we need to get back to basics. What I do in the book is really build a strong case, not only through my testimony, but through the testimony of many people who have sought out um, deliverance and exorcism from the church. But these people really, we, sometimes we get tempted. We have these beautiful um, things in the church like sacramentals and the grace of sacraments, like confession and the, the grace of matrimony, that it that is effective and it's a wellspring and a resource that, you know, not just on the day we're married, but throughout our whole marriage, all of this is real and effective. So I give a glimpse in the book of what happens during the rite of exorcism, major or minor, deliverance prayers. It is a prayer, it's a ritual. It is a solemn prayer. The rosary is prayed, the chaplet is prayed, the litany of saints is prayed. So these things which we might take for granted because we're cradle Catholics, no, they are supercharged with the power of divine grace. And that's really what I want to kind of build up in the people that read the book. Yes, and again, that back to basics approach, um, I've known families that have fallen away from praying the rosary, families who used to read scriptures and Bible stories to the children. And I know sometimes we can uh, spend a good amount of time with our children when they're really young. It's easy to uh, share with them Bible stories and uh, the faith is very attractive. Uh, but uh, for whatever reason, and a lot of times it's, it's different reasons, be it the world, the flesh, the devil, we fall out of those holy habits of prayer. We stop praying our rosary as a family. We stop reading our Bibles. And then the devil just creeps in. And as you said before, it's this blended spirituality that can be dangerous, where people will say, oh, you know, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of horoscope. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of, uh, you know, as you say, crystals and energy. Um, you know, I go to a, a, mas a massage therapist who practices Reiki and Eastern mysticism. So all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you see good Catholic families um, kind of not living a double life, but let's just say blending things they shouldn't blend. And um, uh, your book really tells a lot of um, sad stories sometimes of uh, demonic um, oppression and, um, and depression, of course. And um, again, it's just um, 
this is the devil, of course, entering in and then just having a heyday with families and people, especially. And I'm glad you included so many testimonies throughout the book. And um, again, it's an eye opener for uh, many people who read the book for the first time, but uh, they would agree, yes, this is going on. So um, tell us a little bit more about some of these dangers, because I think we're waking up and saying, wow, I'm not happy that my family's just in chaos. Uh, where did I go wrong? And uh, sometimes you need to read the riot act to them and say, uh, here's where you went wrong. So uh, let's spend a little bit of time talking about some of these pitfalls that are out there. You brought up so many good things right now in your commentary, Alan, and I'm appreciative. Uh, I, I do want to say that there's a whole chapter, an appendix, the first testimony, a first person testimony from people who, you know, experienced, uh, went out and experienced things and uh, got into trouble. They were, they said, yet they yielded in some way to the devil and ended up turning to the church to now be liberated from the evil spirits at all different levels. So there's an appendix, which I think is one of the most interesting uh, parts of the book. And um, I think readers really relate to it because they're sharing their story first person of what happened to them. You know, there's a yoga master that shares a testimony. There's a, there's, um, a person who was practicing new age, a person who got in trouble by going through to a hypnotist. Um, religious syncretism, which you spoke about, the blending of other, you know, um, so-called religions and with Catholicism and thinking that that you can get away with that. No, that's an open door. You know, when you, we have to, as I say in the book, our home should be demon-free zones. We have to close all those open doors and windows. And what does that mean in a practical sense? I mean, your listeners, you know, might be thinking, well, I know that, you know, nobody's involved with new age here in my home or, you know, we're not doing anything too terrible, but, you know, what about pornography? What is your child reading? There's a, there's a testimony in the book of a girl that was reading, a teenager who was reading romance novels and how that afflicted her. And, and, and an exorcist gives the testimony of how he had to deliver her from what she was learning in a romance novel. And so, you know, getting back to pornography, that's a very difficult dis uh, uh, discussion to have, whether it's with your spouse or with your child. But if you, if you have an intuition, if you think that something is amiss and this might be a problem, in the book, I really urge families, let's deal with issues in the family in a loving and patient way with the help of the church. Let's not try to pretend that everything is perfect in my family. And I can just look the other way, even though I suspect my spouse is looking at pornography or that my child might be doing you know, some sort of a drug and pornography. We need to really, with love, wrap our arms around our loved ones. In the beginning of the book, I quote the great Saint Mother Teresa, who said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Further on, she says, are you sure that there is, isn't someone in your family who is, you know, not suffering from a lack of clothing or food, but has a, a sense of being unloved or unlovable or unwanted, who feels that maybe they don't have any gifts? Is there somebody that needs your attention? And so I think that that's the challenge for families because there's a precise way that the evil spirits come against the family. And usually what the exorcists say and what we see is that it's usually through the marriage, through the two spouses driving that wedge. Um, I, if you recall the story, I like to quote the screw tape letter C.S. Lewis classic screw tape letters. And I had never, I've, I reread that book mostly during Lent, but I had never really seen the one quote that I put in the book about how screw tape the, is, is training his, his, um, his, uh, the new, the new demon and, and telling the demon, all you have to do is make someone that the man feel aggravated at a particular, um, a particular face that the mother makes and a particular expression of a face. And that will begin to, to 
you know, drive a wedge between them. And there's these little idiosyncrasies that we see in our partners and in our loved ones because we're living together as a family. But the enemy tries to come in here and, and exacerbate, exaggerate that and drive the wedge between. And so we need to be, I think, very aware and then proactive, vigilant and then valiant and saying, no, you know, I may have confused what my husband or my wife said. I need to revisit that. Did I really hear that right? Because the enemy likes to get in there and confuse what we hear from our spouses. So the other thing I want to comment about, Al, is you brought up the word children a couple of times. And in the very beginning of the book, I share about how in Rome, at the Rome course, um, the cardinal that was giving, the, the first cardinal that spoke, um, he was, his whole conference was on the children of Fatima. And I, in the book, I make it the same case that Cardinal did about how, look at what heaven entrusted to the children of Fatima. They are mere children. And they are, I mean, you think of Lucia Francesco and, um, and what was Heather? Lucia Francesco and, um, oh my God, I blanked on the other name. <laughs> It'll come to me. Sorry about that. But anyway, they were little children and they, um, Jacinta, Jacinta. Because now I remember I talk about how an exorcist said that Jacinta was the one that was the most powerful because against the enemy because she was the most willing to suffer on behalf of the salvation of souls, little Jacinta. And that's in the back of the book. But in the beginning, he makes a case for the children of Fatima and how our children can be trained up in the area of loving and serving the Lord how they were trained by the angel of Fatima about the Eucharist to pray and to reverence the Eucharist, how they were willing to sacrifice their food. They even gave up playing together. They learned this art of reparation. They were shown a revelation of hell. Now let's think about that. It made me, I don't know about you, Al, but when I read that, I thought when I pondered it, I try to protect my child so much. And I think we are called to protect them in every way that we can from all that is evil and that is not of God. But what is of God is the offering of sacrifices, that, that idea of reparation, that idea of working with God's grace and in the family for the salvation of souls. So he made a strong case for um, making that it really up raising, you know, raising up children, training them is what I was looking for, training up our children in the ways of God and not to be too overly protective in that way, because they need to know that they have an enemy who wants to what? Turn their eyes and hearts from their parents, from their siblings, from family life, and from God and prayer. So they deserve to be protected from that which is not of God, but they must be schooled in that which is of God. Yes. And it's amazing how children can teach parents. Uh, that story of the children of Fatima making reparation and the example, the holy example that they gave to their parents. And uh, I know many people have shared that they feel this uh, calling to make reparation. Um, I have a personal story that I share. Um, I, of course, do a lot of work uh, sharing Bishop Sheen's writings and uh, uh, making sure that uh, many of his lost works are found. And I was doing a little bit of research uh, in a library in Rochester uh, where Sheen's uh, personal handwritten notes are. Uh, they're in a beautiful archive. And I spent the day reading his handwritten notes. and. Uh, so time after time, uh, I would f see the word reparation, and he would circle it. It's almost like Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen was sending a message to the world that we need to make reparation. We need to do this. And uh, seeing it with my own eyes, uh, these beautiful handwritten notes with the letters JMJ on the top of every page, and then, of course, the word reparation, uh, you know, sent a message to me personally to uh, just to live it, to do it. And, of course, uh, share that message. And so these children of Fatima, 
uh, is a great example, not just to other children, uh, but to parents. And again, from the mouth of babes, they say, right? And so a uh, very beautiful story. Uh, Kathleen, we're going to take a short break. I know we have to kind of digest and breathe a lot that you've been sharing. And uh, of course, uh, our viewers, uh, again, uh, we ask you to uh, visit uh, the website that uh, this uh, great book can be found at. It's uh, Sophia Institute Press, and you might have seen uh, it up on the screen. And so uh, Sophia, of course, is a great publisher. Uh, they published this book, but many other books uh, that Kathleen has penned, and of course, a number of books uh, that I've put together uh, featuring the writings of Archbishop Sheen. So we'd ask you to uh, make some notes and to visit that site as soon as you can. Uh, this would be a great book to read during the season of Lent as we, uh, you know, make some sacrifices for our family. So uh, we're going to be back in a few moments with Kathleen Beckman uh, here on Hungry for More. So please stay tuned. Hey everyone, it's Anne DeSantis here to tell you about my new online TV show called Journeys in Faith. Thanks to Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Radio, I'll be interviewing some amazing guests who'll share with all of us their journeys in faith. It's going to be great, and I can't wait for you to be introduced to some truly good people who are working hard to bring deeper faith to others. It's all about relationship with God and living out our mission as intentional disciples. Join me on Fridays, Eastern Time, for Journeys in Faith, 8.30 to 9.30. Subscribe at Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry on both Facebook and YouTube. I'll see you Friday and have a great week. God bless. Blessing your children. And Patchwork uh, Heart doing... Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this edition of Hungry for More. And I have my good friend Kathleen Beckman uh, in the studio today, and we've been going through this beautiful book, uh, on spiritual warfare, especially as it pertains to the family. And uh, Kathleen, we were talking earlier about uh, the children of Fatima, but I thought we would spend a little bit of time talking about the power that parents have. And uh, one thing I found by reading through your book is that I realized very quickly that parents are sometimes giving up uh, their position. Um, God has blessed them with authority and power, and uh, yet they're not using that authority or that power. And uh, you reveal to the reader uh, the great gifts that mothers have and fathers and grandfathers and grandmothers have, uh, praying, blessing upon their children and grandchildren. So let's talk a little bit about some of that warfare. And um, again, we as parents uh, are given uh, this opportunity to um, uh, get busy and to stay busy uh, in the work in the vineyard. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that. I'm so glad that you brought that up because it's such an important part of understanding like the foundation uh, to be a victorious spiritual warrior for Christ. And that's what you know makes me excited is that um, we're in this battle, but God has empowered us through his church and by grace to be victorious in the battle just as he was. So part of the foundation of the um, spiritual battle for a, for a warrior is understanding the authority that we have. First of all, baptismal authority. It is a tremendous authority that is given to the baptized so that you can fight for yourself. When the enemy comes against you, you have the spiritual, the baptismal authority to command that evil spirit to leave you alone. And um, as one exorcist uh, told us in a, in a big conference, um, you're not intended by God to sit and take the fiery darts of the enemy all day long, the bombardment of your mind and your imagination. Um, you are called then to stop and use your baptismal authority to 
cast that devil away from you. Make a deliberate, imitate, you talk back in the way that Jesus talked back when he was tempted in the desert. And that was by quoting scripture. So there's a whole chapter on using scripture, the sword of the spirit to fight back. Then the authority you have, espousal authority. You know, husbands and wives, it is such a tremendous gift that you have been endowed with by your sacrament of matrimony. And it's very life-giving and it's meant to protect one another. So you can bless one another. You can pray uh, deliverance prayers for one another. You definitely be, in, be protective of one another. When you feel that your spouse, you observe that maybe your spouse is under some sort of attack. You want to take authority over those evil spirits that are attacking your spouse. And you have that spiritual authority to cast the devil away from you. And there's many examples of very simple prayers that you, you know that you can say in the book. And then we get to the authority, the parental authority. And that is, you know, a lot of times parents, when they feel that their child is um is really struggling with, um, they'll call and they'll, they want help from their parish priest or from the bishop's office and, and they think they need to see the exorcist. But seeing the exorcist isn't the first step at all. You have, a, if you have a, an immediate situation in your home, stop and discern the spirits. That's one of the things the book covers is to discern what is happening here. And then when you feel that this, you've discerned that this is a demonic entity that is it's not of God and it's not human, but that there seems to be an evil spirit that is troubling spouse, child, the child, then you can use your parental authority and pray that evil spirit away from that child. Now, if it persists and depending on the depth of spiritual oppression or obsession and very rare is possession, but then you reach out to your parish priest. And then the parish priest has every, every uh, priest by virtue of his ordination can pray minor exorcism prayers. And he's your spiritual father. He's the spiritual father for you and your family, your parish priest. And then if he needs something that this is something that is beyond him, then he will then know the protocols in the diocese to be able to reach out to if an exorcist priest is needed. But honestly, Al, what I want the listeners to know is that oftentimes when I call the person and say, it's, we can give you an appointment now to see the exorcist. He, there's an appointment for you. I have had it happen very often where they say, you know what? I don't need to see the exorcist anymore because I'm going to sacramental, I'm going to confession regularly. I'm receiving spiritual direction from a wonderful priest. I'm praying the rosary every single day. I'm praying with my spouse and I no longer have that issue for which I petition to see the exorcist. It does happen that the spiritual life of grace, walking with the Lord is often, especially the sacrament of confession is often enough to liberate a person. Yes, and I think people forget that, the power of the sacraments, the power of time spent in prayer. Even uh, if you can make a holy hour and visit our Lord in the, in the church or open your Bible and read the word of God, uh, Satan flees. Um, again, the power of the word, uh, as we say, the sword of the spirit. So, uh, but again, the power every parent has, and especially in this day, grandparents, uh, we have so many grandparents that are uh, carrying heavy burdens, uh, trying to help uh, not only their adult children, but their grandchildren uh, grow in holiness and, of course, fight the good fight. So, uh, again, what I love, Kathleen, is that you give practical tips and your appendices that are in the book list these beautiful prayers. And I know many times uh, we say, where do we begin? What, what prayers do I say? And you give some beautiful formulas, some beautiful uh, just prayers to uh, pray uh, in the quiet of your own room uh, for your children, because many of us are empty nesters. Uh, but still, we can say those prayers and ask God to bless our children and grandchildren. So again, thank you for uh, what you've done and how you've brought so beautifully this relationship of the priest uh, into families. 
And I think that's one thing that you and I have a great love for is uh, praying for priests and, uh, you know, reaching out to our priests that are in our communities and uh, knowing that they carry a heavy burden and uh, that uh, they need our help, they need our prayers. And uh, I know our producer, Kent, has just brought up on the screen uh, the Foundation of Prayer for Priests website, uh, which we encourage everyone to visit and to uh, participate in this beautiful mission. And I know, Kathleen, you'd love to speak a little bit about uh, the foundation and the work of the foundation. So please uh, share with us some of your joy uh, working with all these priests for so many years. Of course, I'm delighted. Of course, I'm delighted that you are on our board. You've got about four members. So thank you, Al. I know that you interface with many priests and reach out to many seminarians and have for a good number of years. And um, I end the book with the story of an elderly priest who was attacked by demons when he was in the hospital. And I, I included that story for several reasons, one of which was the only prayer that he was strong enough to recite during the night for the whole night for about eight hours, he said he was bombarded by evil spirits. And you'll read in the book the whole story of how they were coming against the priest saying that his life was wasted, that um, that God, his God was a God of suffering and that he was uh, alone and would never go to heaven now. So this poor priest was tormented about his priesthood, second, uh, trying to undermine what he had spent his whole life doing. And the one prayer that father could say all during the night repeatedly was the creed. I believe in God, the father almighty. And I, I really want to emphasize on how that prayer of the creed is extremely powerful in spiritual warfare, as is the Magnificat prayer. I, I share that story, but I, I digress there. Uh, getting back to the priest, they need our prayers. We began the foundation of prayer for priests at the invitation and with permission from the congregation for the clergy in Rome with Cardinal Piagenza uh, giving us his blessing. And we're in communication um, with um, Archbishop uh, Patron Wong. He has encouraged us. Now we have built an army of about 10,000 intercessors for priests and um, the way of prayer the way of sacrifice, service, and of learning, of, of learning more about our identity as spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers. So I really invite you to discover um, the deeper role and call of intercessory prayer for priests by visiting foundationforpriests.org. And I will hold up on the screen just this beautiful um, companion book that I have had, and I'll get it here for you, uh, Praying for Priests, An Urgent Call for the Salvation of Souls, uh, a beautiful book of prayers and meditations. And again, it's available through Sophia Institute Press. And I know my good wife and I uh, say a number of the rosaries that are contained uh, in this book and the meditations. So a great prayer companion. And uh, again, we need to join our priest in this beautiful mission of supporting them. And so, uh, again, we can all do our part. And I know that, um, again, there is a little section in the website uh, that talks about uh, Vianney Senecals and starting little uh, prayer groups of uh, people coming together, that scripture that says, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there. And so, uh, again, maybe you just have a friend that you could call up and say, let's pray together for priest. And, uh, Again, we all benefit from that. So uh, thank you again, Kathleen, for that work that you do. Um, again, we want to remind everyone that the book is available uh, through Sophia Institute Press, this beautiful book on spiritual warfare. And uh, see, you've got a copy there too. And, you know, I, I, I cannot help but think of how the Blessed Virgin Mary has uh, interceded so beautifully for this project. And uh, you mentioned uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary um, you know, earlier in the show, and I think it's important that we uh, go to Mary, and uh, especially our guardian angels, and how the last chapter of the book, uh, again, you spend time talking about the power of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the power of the angels, especially our guardian angel and the archangel. So uh, let's uh, spend a few moments just, um, you know, going home with that powerful message of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the angels uh, to assist us in this spiritual battle. She is a 
absolutely fierce. Um, it, she's absolutely fierce in protecting uh, the people of God, of protecting the children of God. We are her children. And she goes into that protection that a mother uh, can give a child each and every time. I mean, I think that only in the next world where we realize how often Mary has even prevented the enemy ahead of time. But if the enemy has somehow gotten in, uh, whether it's through our own yes or other doors or it was put upon us, um, then the she is somebody that is absolutely called upon. She's at the heart of, uh, you know, the intercessory prayers that go on in minor and major exorcism. Um, the, her rosary, I, I've been present during exorcisms when the demons yell out, stop those beads, they burn us. And so if ever you think that that rosary isn't powerful, uh, please know that uh, it is a definite uh, assault on evil spirits. You want to pray that with great faith and call on Our Lady. I mean, always call on Our Lady because she comes and St. Michael, oh my goodness, I wish I could write a whole book on St. Michael, how present he is during uh, deliverance ministry in uh and in my own life, I have strong devotion to St. Michael. I named my first son, Michael, because of that. Since I was a little girl, I've loved St. Michael the Archangel. And so uh, the angels, you know, in the book, there's that, that chapter about angelology, understanding that we're never alone, that we have this guardian angel waiting to be engaged by us, waiting for us to call on our angel, to come to our assistance and um, understanding, you know, the angelology is so beautiful because you realize that we have two thirds good angels that are on our side and they battle with us that one third fallen angel. So we have uh, all that we need to be victorious um, in this spiritual battle. And that's the good news, you know, that we are victorious in, with, and through our Lord Jesus Christ and with Our Lady. Amen. 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 And of course, uh, I could say amen a hundred times more, but uh, Kathleen, thank you so much for uh, putting this book together and um, we'll have to have you on the show again, because again, we just scratched the surface, I think, on uh, this book. And I know that uh, many people will uh, start to realize this is a battle that we need to be engaged in. Uh, we can't take um, this for granted that it's just gonna fix itself on its own. Uh, we have to put some work into this. So uh, I want to give you, of course, the last word, Kathleen, to uh, share with our viewers at home uh, just a word of encouragement, uh, again, just a blessing. And um, uh, I know that a lot of us are just saying, um, who's in our corner? Who's in our corner? And I know that um, you bring uh, to the table a whole team uh, of people that are here to help. So uh, please, uh, of course, give us... Um, you know, your last few words of encouragement to those uh, viewing today. Uh, I would I would first say that I wrote that book. I wrote the book really by way of empathizing. Uh, you'll read my own story of spiritual warfare and how our family almost unraveled completely after the murder of my father-in-law. And so I empathize with families who are tried in the in the spiritual warfare area i emphasize uh I, I encourage families because what i've learned is that time and time again through my own experience and through the many experiences that you're going to read about in the book but the many that aren't in the book i have always seen the power and the glory of the eternal high priest who is the chief exorcist he is the one who is always victorious. So I really encourage you families not to be afraid. And the final word I want to give you is I understand the situation that families are in right now because I've heard it across 13 different nations. What I want to say is even if there is only one intercessor in your family, if you're the only one who believes in Jesus Christ and everybody else has fallen away, you are the prayer warrior for your family. Persevere. Keep the faith day in and day out. God is with you. You're not alone. The beauty of church is that we are a family of God. So I've come to really appreciate that 
you know, the little team that's with the exorcist during deliverance ministry, we are only representative of the larger corporate church. So you, if you're the only intercessor for a family that has fallen away, um, then persevere because God is with you and you can do mighty things and God can do mighty things through you. So the ultimate word I want to leave with you is persevere. Do not be afraid and, and be encouraged because God will bring you through the storms. Thank you, Kathleen, for those uh, words of encouragement. We need them. We need them, especially in today. So my dear friends, uh, I want to end, of course, with prayer, and we're going to call upon the intercession of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, especially for our families. And again, Archbishop Sheen loved families and spoke to the needs of families for many, many years. So I'll have my producer, Kent, bring up on the screen this beautiful picture of Archbishop Sheen, and we'll pray together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Eternal Father, you alone grant us every blessing in heaven and on earth through the redemptive mission of your divine Son, Jesus Christ, and by the working of the Holy Spirit. If it be according to your will, glorify your servant, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. By granting this favor, we now request through his prayerful intercession. And here we pray for families who are under spiritual attack that the good Lord will intercede through the power of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the angels and the saints, and that God will continue to bless the ministry of the Foundation of Prayer for Priests and continue to bless Kathleen Beckman's many apostolic adventures, I like to say adventures, but um, again, her work. And we make this prayer confidently through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love that word adventure. <laughs> so uh, we always say adventures, but uh, it is an adventure. So uh, Kathleen, thank you for coming on. And uh, again, you are a blessing to so many of us. And so uh, again, uh, we look forward to, uh, of course, sharing this uh, book with the world. And uh, again, we'll hold it up one more time because it is a beautiful uh, cover and has a picture of the Holy Family. And um, Again, we need to entrust ourselves to the care of the Holy Family. So thank you for uh, putting this together. We appreciate all of your work. And so everyone, until next week, we ask you to stay hungry, stay holy. And of course, we hope to see you back next week on Hungry for More. God love you. <laughs>